Hello, and welcome to Second Helpings, a Grace Fellowship podcast designed to serve up another round of insight and application from our Sunday morning corporate worship gatherings. Pull up, dig in, and get filled as we take another taste of God's greatness. Hello, everybody. Welcome to an episode of Second Helpings, returning from the hiatus. We haven't had much this yes. summer. Yeah, we've, uh, as I, well, I don't know if people think about this. They think the summer, they probably usually think vacation and fun and doing that. Yeah. That's kind of our, uh, our busy, busy time, wrapping out last year and getting ready for the new year. Yeah. So we're glad to do that. I uh, haven't had uh, the frequency of these episodes, but um, looking forward to this week, being able to talk about, I'm going to say it correctly dissimilitude. There you Did I do Well that? done. Oh, man, come on. You were clearly hooked on phonics as a kid. Well, hey, man, well, whatever I do the rest of the episode, I'm good now. I nailed that. I'm good. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it covers a multitude of sins. Um, so, yeah, the message from yesterday, looking forward to be able to talk about that. Ari had a lot of good conversation with a lot of the folks um, from the congregation yesterday about it and seemed to be stirring up some things that... Um, I don't know that some of the feedback I got was that maybe people were, weren't necessarily shocked by anything new. Mm. It was that they were thinking about things they kind of already knew, but in a different way, which I feel like is kind of yeah. was the point, right? Yeah. It was they're trying to point out because we had our guest, Fred and Fred and Frank. Fred and Frank. Right? Yeah. Yep. Flight in from, I, I can't remember, they were Milan or something. It was real fancy, from a, right? The, a land of foam. The, there we go. From the land of foam. <laughs> the island of foam. It's the, right next to the island of misfit toys. There you go. It's the premier vacation destination. <laughs> yeah. For all things foam. Um, so we had Fred and Frank with us. Um, and funny how they, they would be so similar in their lifestyle for a lot of people. To yes. See, yes. But yes. then seeing the differences. And I think that's what resonated with people was thinking, what I'm doing has, um, it, is it the why might have a lot more to do with it than what I thought yeah. the doing of it, which was really the the kind of the quintessential point of the message. So just for a recap for us, kind of go yeah. over like that sentient point of what you were trying to convey and yeah. bring out from the text for us to really be able to eat on. Yeah, so dissimilitude is the idea of a contrast or something that's dissimilar. So it's you can almost think about it two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we thought about the idea of justification that I'm made right, uh, the righteousness of Christ is imputed to me. So therefore, the basis of my identity, my my hope, is Jesus's life, and I trust in that. And when I trust in that, God sees me through Christ, the activity of Christ. On the other side of the coin, you could say, is my sanctification. Now that is God's Holy Spirit doing a work in me and helping me to trust Christ more and more. So I've trusted in the work of Christ, and it, it is Christ's trust that is the basis of my identity. But in my sanctification, it is now I am God's working on me to grow me in my trust of him more and more, which will be most evident in my holiness. So in the way I deal with trials and temptations, in the way I see that distinctly uh, in my trials, I see those not as bad things taken away from my life, but there are opportunities to grow me in my trust of the Lord. Temptations now reveals how much I'm relying on Him and how much I'm not, and so that helps me to go, oh, I I need to trust Him more in this. And it also provides an opportunity to go, thank you, Lord, for my forgiveness in you. It's not an excuse, it's an understanding. So now all of a sudden, the distinction we made and labored is your identity actually informs and forms your performance versus... People often think how I perform as a Christian 
now serves to form my identity as a Christian so that that this is what Christians do. This is how Christians act. This is where Christians go. This is what Christians eat. This is what Christians watch. No, Uh, the idea is, is that I want to trust the Lord. I want to honor Christ. I want to value the intimacy. So therefore, that dictates what I do and don't do. And it can be very different for different Christians. That's why we've got the gray issues. That's why it, it kind of fits all that. So the idea of identity before performance, and then we plugged in some examples in the life of Fred and Frank, these two two Christians who saw one through performance, one through identity, and plugged in some subject matter of how some might think through anger and depression and lust. And we walk through kind of a step model for uh, a God-centered way of seeing it, according to my identity, and a man-centered way of seeing it. Yeah. I think it's it's interesting, one of those things that we all know, well, I think we do because the text is obvious when you read throughout Scripture, you, you can't do anything. Yeah. Like, Every Christian, no matter yeah. what your theological background is, we would all say that you can't do anything to earn your salvation. Yeah. But there's just something that's like hardwired in us. Totally. And also yeah. just the world says, well, that makes no sense. Yeah. Everything you get is from yeah. what you do. So it's just one of those things that seems, if you would just kind of read the text, that fa- if Christ has done everything, you don't stop and think, well, if, I, if the Bible tells me Christ did everything and I say I believe that, but then I perform as though I have to do something, I'm actually saying Christ didn't do everything, that he's somehow lacking yeah. in his... Th- you go, well, I don't believe that. And you realize, well, my life doesn't line up with it. Yeah. But there's still that thing of, yeah, damn, but I want to do something. Yeah. I don't just throw my hands up in the air, right? Paul says, am I going to let sin abound, that grace may abound? By no means. What, what is it that I do with that? Yeah, and that's why it's so important to make sure that we cultivate a language and an understanding that is representative of the biblical text. So I think there's two reasons why people, we all naturally do it. Number one, as you said, the inclination toward it. Even go back all the way to Genesis 4, Cain and Abel. There's that inbred understanding that I want to be the person who takes the measure of uh, um, congratulations for the effort that I'm doing. And I think we just naturally incline to that. Matter of fact, um, every belief system other than Christ is informed by that. So when you think of the Roman Catholic, uh, the idea of mortal sins and venial sins and the sacraments, God's grace is flowing to me as long as I function within the sacraments. That's effectively the idea for performance. So there are many Christians who aren't Roman Catholic, but they function within that similar dynamic. When I do the good things... God smiles. When I don't do good things, he doesn't smile. So that's that performance understanding. And so I think that that's the first thing. The second thing would be when we read the scripture, we have a tendency to think about, okay, Paul says, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. So therefore we have a tendency to think, oh, my performance is the thing he's focusing mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. But we we skip over a lot of passages that his, he cements and he spent time with people in the church to cement their identity and performance matters, but not at the expense of identity, but because of who you are, you perform. And so we have a tendency just to read the performance passages and think that's the sum total of Christianity, which um, is detrimental, which good pastors need to go, hold on a second. Uh, Performance matters, you know, work out your faith with fear and trembling, but not meaning that your faith is based on how well you work out your faith. Your your identity is based on that. Yeah, I think it's important that, and I don't know if we, maybe we don't do this enough when we read, is to stop and go, why is he doing this? You should see a juxtaposition. If oh, you're totally, at naturally, yeah. You should go, 
well, wait a second. Paul is the same guy that said that everything's been done, it's completed. Yeah. And then he's saying, do things. That seems like a conflict. Well, figure that conflict out. Yeah. <laughs> so you go, why yeah. would Paul do that? And I, <clears throat> I think it's important for us. And maybe, I don't know, it's a little bit faux pas for this. I think in a post-Emmanuel Kant era, we feel like it's wrong to do something for pleasure or satisfaction. Hmm. We have to be reminded when Paul, Peter, the apostles are talking about these do's and don'ts. Yeah. It is for the sake of your satisfaction. Yeah. You've been redeemed by Christ Jesus that now you can bear the image of God in now a partnering way as opposed to where God's going to get his glory out of you anyway. Mm. You're able to do this thing, and that's going to bring you satisfaction. So husbands, why do you treat your wives like that? Yeah. Because that reflects Christ Jesus, your true identity, yeah. not the person that's still warring against you, the dead man inside. And I almost feel like we have to liberate people sometimes to go, yeah. you're supposed to be satisfied. <laughs> well, I think it's just that inclination to the flesh. And even when you get in Romans 7, 14 through mm -hmm. 21, when you look at that, and you know, that what I want to do, I don't yeah. do, that what I don't want to do, I do. In the end of that sequence, he thanks be the God through Christ who's delivered me from this body of death. And so outside of Troas, well, one of the things for capital punishment, the punishment they would do is they would attach a, a carcass of someone that you killed onto the criminal, and they'd send them into the wilderness. And so uh, Paul, taking off that concept, who shall deliver you from this body of death, this thing, and he says, thanks be the Lord. So in other words, he sees this flesh in his life bending him this way. Who's going to deliver me from this? Thanks be the Lord. The Lord did. Yeah. But I'm still living with the flesh. The powerhouse of the sin nature has been crucified. But the flesh is that inclined to self-rule is going to be with me until I'm glorified. Yeah. And it's important to go, whenever you see Paul having those conflicts, like you, like you just point out, he's always going back to his identity in Christ. Yeah. It, always, is, yeah. it is the start and the finish line of everything he does. Um, yeah. And we see that throughout all scripture because yeah. that's who we are. We are in Christ Jesus. And we got to let that soak us. And, you, and us. you see even how he structures it. So Ephesians 1 through 3 and then 4 through 6 and then Romans 1 through 11 and then 12 through 16. He actually structures his letters on that concept of identity, then performance versus performance and identity. Even in the Old Testament. So you see, when are the people of Israel God's people? Right from the beginning with Abraham... Then Jacob. Now they go into Egypt, but they're still his people. So when they come out and they're formed as a people, it's on the basis of relationship already established. Yeah. In other words, he doesn't say, okay, now you're my people if you perform. Yeah. No, you are my people. Yeah. On the basis of that, that's why I rescued you. Yeah. And so there's pictures all the way back into the Old Testament. Oh, yeah. That's well, one of the great things you think about. Well, I think we often forget about when the um, the Old Covenant was given, coming out of Sinai, off of the mountain, that I think sometimes we can think that's the beginning of the relationship. Yeah, totally. Uh, Egypt knew who they had in bondage. They identified with that God. Pharaoh definitely knew who it was when they were leaving, yeah. right? It was about yeah. making himself known. These were a representative people. Once the covenant comes out, and this doesn't diminish it in any way, he is saying, I'm, we're going to formalize this relationship if you want to do that. And then here's the stipulations of how we're going to keep this. Yeah. Which, of course, they immediately break. Yeah. But it's the idea of that it was never meant to be this. There was never a righteous, a self-righteousness-based performance. That was never going to be yeah. a thing. It's always been my people since the fall even, are going to be identified through my Redeemer. Yeah. It's going to be done by me. And it's not going to be about you doing some kind of work. But because you then become like Christ, 
the work's going to flow from you. Yeah, and you see the principle, I think, poignantly when Israel sins, God is getting ready to wipe them out, uh-huh. and, and Moses intercedes, and he gives two particular ideas. Number yeah. one, people say that they brought you out, that you brought them out to destroy them. And I think Moses, um, it doesn't say in the text, but he probably pauses and thinks, well, God doesn't really care about what pagans think. <laughs> so, but the second thing he says is, is on the basis of your covenant right. uh, with Abraham. So in other words, you swore on yourself. So their identity has been established in your covenant. So that's the basis of the fact that he doesn't wipe them out for their performance. So the same thing with us is our performance is not the base of our identity. Our identity, when we trusted in Christ, God has sealed us with his Holy Spirit. Now, that identity is meant to propel or fuel our performance. It didn't fuel theirs. They said, oh, we need to have another God. We need our identity formed in something else. Moses is on the mountain. God maybe has abandoned us because they associated the gods of Egypt with these capricious gods that come or go. They didn't understand his faithfulness. They didn't understand his covenant-keeping ways. And so that's what they tried to do, form their identity around this idol in which God says, no, I'm going to rescue from that. How do I rescue from that? I discipline you mm-hmm. away from it into belief that I have identity yeah. and you're with me. Well, And what discipline is is always the bringing to a standard of a thing by which he is the standard in that that's sense. Right. When God's disciplining us, it is because he's molding you again into his image. I know it's redundant, but that is what the Bible is about, is being molded into the image of God. It's why you were created. I think something you said there that made me um, about this point that I want to make sure people uh, get from yesterday. I could see somebody walking away and they think, I'm a Fred or a Frank. Did I get the names right? Fred or Frank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think, I'm a Fred or a Frank. And I think you do yourself mm. a disservice to think that mm. because the likelihood is that we are going back and forth from Fred and Frank yeah. all the time. Yeah. Um, so I could see somebody coming away and going, yeah. I, I just got, got to get over this performance stuff, which is funny because they're probably me immediately thinking about a way to get over it. That's right. <laughs> right. Or there could somebody, you know, being like, well, why don't I do that? Do I not appreciate uh, the Lord in my life? And I think we need to understand that's generally going to come down to the reason a redeemed person, somebody who's had the Holy Spirit work in their life to open their eyes to see the truth of the gospel has responded to that. The reason that you continue to have this performance issue or because you will continue to do things because you're supposed to instead of because you want to is we're buying lies. Mm. We live in a state of unbelief. Well, believe something intellectually. I'll give you an example. I don't want to forgive somebody. Mm. The, the only reason you will not forgive somebody is because of unbelief. Mm. Because you're believing somehow that you have power over yeah. them. You're believing that, and especially if it's a brother or sister in Christ, you're believing the blood is insufficient for that. Mm. What they did against me is more is worse than what the cross could have covered, which all sounds like foolish things you would never say. Yeah. But functionally, you're living yeah. in unbelief. So we do that. So I think one of the ways that we help with the the moving from just the performance and the doing for the sake of the doing is we expand our belief. We ask the Lord, as we see in Scripture, I believe. Yeah. Help my unbelief. And the Holy Spirit, newsflash, the Holy Spirit wants to help in yeah, your sanctification. Yeah. I think we forget that sometimes, right? And I and that's where I think the church is so incredibly important. Left to yourself, it's not only hard to figure those things out, you're inclined toward imbalance on all oh, sorts of ways. Yeah. So therefore, to have people in a room and going, hey, what about this? And what about that? What does Scripture say here? What In the context of people searching Scripture, 
uh, it's incredibly helpful because you go, oh, wow, that's an interesting way. Oh, that's that's interesting. And people different maturities yeah. go, oh, that I've never thought about it. Like, oh, that's what that means when it comes to how I can forgive somebody. Yeah. And so even we talked about yesterday, somebody talked to me and said, you know, I've never thought about anger is uh, expressed outward and essentially anger toward myself expressed inward is depression. Mm. And uh thinking that through they I've never thought about that. they would never hear that if yeah. they weren't in a context of people engaging on it. yeah We're, we talk about these things or we yeah. should I, I mean you need, need to be taking advantage of the body of Christ by working through these things I will have people um, will say to me like I don't know how you got that I don't know how you came up with that and I'll th- and we'll be in a group conversation and I'll be like because the six of you said the things you said sure like yeah. I'm I'm not just some savant going over here and Sue saying scripture all the time I don't know you, about the I'm savants <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't think so. But it's you said that, you said that, you said that, and I just happened to be the piece that was able to put the pieces together. Yeah. And the Lord uses the body like that. But if I don't have those people saying those things, I don't draw those conclusions. We miss out when we do not get together with one another for the purpose of our sanctification. And maybe that's one of the reasons we think about performing yeah. is because we're not our value of who God is and what's been done in us isn't being increased by our fellowship with one another. Yeah, and I had a conversation with somebody yesterday, and they were talking about their their real issue. Is There was a couple of things that they were moving through they were really struggling with. And I said, can I just tell you, that's actually not your issue. Um, I know you're relating it, your life to you wish you didn't do this and you didn't do this. The bigger issue, because you seem to be focusing on performance adjustment, kind of like the the Frank yesterday of disciplining yourself, et cetera. I said, what I'd love for you to do is consider moving toward Fred-like thinking uh, and admitting your greatest issue is not in these two areas of how you perform. Your two biggest or your one biggest issue is that you don't believe God is good enough mm-hmm. to not want those things. Yes. In other words, your issue is not something you do. Your issue is that you just don't trust God. You don't value Christ. You just don't you don't believe him enough to see value in trusting him. And that means then necessarily you say no to this. You see the value in performing these things. And so you believe that. Our issue fundamentally is the issue of who do we trust, ourselves mm-hmm. Or Christ, that's where the that's the epicenter of the battle. People often think, well, going to bad movies and listening to bad music and whatever—that's where the battle is. No way. That's that's way far away from it. The first buy-in level is go: Is Jesus Christ enough? Yeah, yeah. That's it. And that's and that's for clarification. That's not a personal indictment on that person. That is all of us. Oh, no, that's, We're doing yeah, that, that all that, the time. Yeah, that's humanity. Yeah, that's the reason that I, yeah. I picked the sin. The reason that yeah. I do it is because in that moment, yeah. I'm believing a lie that I actually know is untrue. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we, we, our life is caught up in that. We are living according yeah. to lies that we know to be untrue. And that's where, again, we're helping one another to go, I need to believe this. And I want to encourage folks, because I, I I get where I, you can we can say something like that, and people go, I can't put practical handles on that. What do I do with that? You're telling me just think harder or believe something. Okay, I just drink a potion and pop, it's there. No, that's foolishness. Yeah. You need to yeah, yeah. do work. You need to <clears throat> you need to stop and think through the way you're living and remind yourself of how God is everywhere in yeah. doing these things. He is screaming to us. The scriptures tell us things like trees, clouds, the sky is proclaiming and declaring the glory of God. 
if that's yeah. doing it, you don't think the circumstances of life are proclaiming sure. the glory of God? And I think as you stop and pay better attention, it helps you to believe better in moments. Yeah. It helps you to believe God is good enough in the in this death or this loss of a job or something. Yeah. But if you just think you're going to get it by hope, like not biblical hope will actually work. But if what you think of is worldly hope, yeah. Of, yeah, I hope it's okay. God will work it all out in the end. That's not the design of the Christian life. You're supposed to grow in your understanding. Yeah. And so I would like it like this. I would uh, think about it like this. So think about um, this is the best way I, I think about it, uh, being practical. So uh, dashboard, and I use this metaphor a lot because it's really helpful. I, the dashboard in my car helps me understand what's going on under the hood. So the dashboard of my life is my emotions. So therefore, when I pay attention to my emotions, how I'm reacting to things, I know I must be thinking a certain way because thinking mm -hmm. produces emotion. That's right, that's emotions right. don't produce thinking. That's good. So <clears throat> therefore, I think, so yesterday, uh, so just get down right where it works. Uh, get on my lawnmower. I'm getting ready to mow. As I get on started up, one of my sons has run the mower over the tarp that I put over the mower. Do you know what a lawnmower does to a tarp? The funny stuff from my perspective, probably not from yours. <laughs> no, not funny at all. So, the, you know, it's all tangled up. So I back the thing out. I'm cutting away tarp. And I go, how could my son be this stupid? And so my wife comes down the steps. She, she sees me out there do this. And so number one, I'm valuing my time. I only have so much money or only so much time because I got a friend coming over to watch this dealer preseason game. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm sitting there doing my time. How my son should know better. I'm saying, how can you be so stupid? And my wife goes, Dan. So she stopped. So my emotions are the dashboard. Mm -hmm. And the reason why it's not that my son's stupid. It's that I value my time. That's right. I value my time. I don't like this. I am God yeah. in the moment. So that's where my anger is coming. So my dashboard lights are going off, going, I'm not valuing Christ in this because I'm, I'm, I'm damaging the view. And my son wasn't there. No one heard me other than my wife. But that would be damaging. Yeah. To you. Yeah. yeah. Well, to me, to him, yeah. to my role. So immediately I've got to change my mind. Yeah. My son isn't stupid. I'm valuing my time. I repent. I admit that I make a an idol of my time, an idol of this tractor. Uh, this is not right. And I just kind of walk through those things. Yeah. We walk through with Fred in the moment. Yeah. And um, then the Lord corrected me to believe him because I wasn't believing he was the Lord of time. And I wasn't believing he put that child in my life because I didn't like it. Yeah. And so that's practically how that kind of works out. And you just preached it. Yeah, <laughs> like the hours yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the, I think that could be liberating to people. It's yeah. like God is graciously working in us. Like yeah. God knew when you were preparing that message that you were going to do that in the afternoon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's his love and grace towards you. I was ironically putting a lawnmower back together because the previous homeowner <laughs> didn't take care of the lawnmower. And I was having well, similar things with that. Good. And I have to go through the same process. I do this all the time. Yeah. And I will yeah. defame. I think I'm defaming the person yeah. because of what they did not take care of the stuff. I'm defaming God and in that moment, yeah. like you just did. I'm believing all these things that I know are not to be true. Mm. And you combat them with truths that yeah. you know. Yeah. That's all very intellectual. And what people are like, well, I think it's supposed to be a heart thing. 
What do you think informs your heart? Yeah. Your mind does. Yeah. And it's not that I, I, I go, oh, my kid, whatever. No, I still address it with my child. Don't ever do that again. Yeah. Uh, this is a lot to do. It. And and the cool thing is, is that he was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I, I for, totally forgot about that. I shouldn't. Have. And so all I said is, what happened there? And he immediately apologized, immediately owned it, didn't make excuses. And so I was like, Thank you, Lord, that you are already doing a work in him. Yeah. And I just simply am part of that that process that you're doing in him. Uh, I didn't need to kind of be God over him. Yeah. I didn't need to rage on him. And he owned it. And I go, okay. We all have erasers on pencils. Interesting enough because of the relationship the Lord put in your life. Through yeah. Your- Right? Yeah. Because she was there. It's almost as though like somebody has a plan for working out your sanctification. <laughs> well, like, and that's the thing. My wife regularly wades into my life and just goes, she cocks her head slightly and goes, Dan. And I go, oh. <laughs> yeah. Bless, there we go. But blessing of a good wife, but also too, guys, just the, the blessing of these relationships that happen in Christ. Yeah. The fact that we have brothers and sisters, and sometimes it might be, for, it might be somebody that annoys your socks off. But they're right a lot about the things they say to you. you yeah. Know, you know what? At the end of the day, they're making me get more Jesus. Sign me up, man. Yeah. You know, like. Yeah. And I, I want to point out something too. Just for if you, if your son had gone, what is the big deal? Get over it, old man. Figure it out. <laughs> right. It doesn't change. Like that could happen. Like people could have those. Oh, totally. It doesn't change the sanctification that was going. You were still wrong in what you did so, and how you did it, right? Yep, yeah. But I think a lot of times we'll go well because of what they did. At the oh, end of the no. day, it's to your benefit to yeah. look more like Christ. Yeah. Like you want to do these things for your joy. You want to honor and look like the yeah. Lord because it makes you better. That's why when Paul's talking about in Romans about the sinning, should I go on? No yeah. means. Yeah. That's to your own detriment. You don't have to do anything. Yeah. But why wouldn't you? <laughs> and it's really important. I think the idea that just because my son created that environment doesn't mean it dictated the way I responded. I am responsible that this garbage of victimhood, no, no, no. You are responsible for what you do, regardless of the stimuli that is around you that's legitimate and can be bad. But fundamentally, you're responsible. Yeah, that's a a really good point. And we'll keep going on. So maybe pull us towards the end here with this. I think to remember this idea of I, in a sense, we do live in a culture that's more driven towards a victim mentality. Sure. It seems. But I actually think that it's probably not changing humanity. I just think we can publicize it better because of modern media. I think yeah. we've always been like that. Adam. Yeah. The woman you yeah. gave me, man. Like, yeah. what do you mean? You know, like right off the bat. Yeah. Um, and I, I think what could be helpful over that is the reminder of Jesus. Because we're all going to be victims. Because Jesus said so. Hmm. He said, you will have trouble always. Yeah. We like to talk about the promises sure. of the Bible. Yeah. Jesus' promises, you will have trouble always. That's not the end of the promise. It is, but I will be with you always until the end of the age. Yeah. The idea of being with you because you are called as a disciple to look like him means you are working for this thing, empowered by him, empowered by the spirit, planned out by the father with mm-hmm. the ability to do exactly what you were made to do. Why wouldn't you want to go after that? Yeah. There's no better satisfaction anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good stuff. Well, yeah. good stuff, brother. I would also want to say, I don't want to encourage people to do this as we're continuing to have these and getting back into our videos. 
these are starts of conversations maybe. Yeah. Like I would encourage you never, just for clarity, Dan's going to back me up with this 100%. You do not grow by going and finding a five to 20 minute video on the internet and thinking you finished <laughs> yeah, the absolutely. Right? Uh, even if it is from the two most handsome yeah. guys you're going to see today. <laughs> uh, these are starts of conversations. Let's continue yeah. to talk with us, other yeah. people in the body. Get into the word. Know these things for yourself. It will take root. And before you know it, Performance will be something you enjoy doing as opposed to something you have to do. And you get to know the Lord better, right? It's good stuff. All right, until next time, uh, we will look forward to seeing you again. Be focusing on spreading God's fame by making disciples of Jesus Christ and enjoy doing that. Not because you have to, but because you get to. Until next time, we'll see you later. 